Oh, lovely. Cliff continued worshiping. Such a sense of God's presence. But I trust that we won't lose it preaching the word. <laughs> I think we sometimes compartmentalize a Sunday meeting, you know? Worship is that time in God's presence and it's intense. I trust that we'll more and more see the times of when we minister the word and preach the word, that we will be intense. <laughs> um, that we would at times just fall face down as God convicts us through his word. But that we'll be radically hungry for God's presence even when we sit and listen to a sermon. Um, so let's not, you know, let church culture and tradition and what we used to become a ceiling. Let's trust that God would move powerfully, even this morning. Amen. So um, last week I started uh, or preached a sermon about repentance. And ultimately we looked at um, just how important part that is in our salvation. Many times people come and respond to the gospel message or they respond to Jesus. They invite Jesus into their hearts ultimately just to get some improvement to their current life. But Jesus didn't come to improve your current life. He came to transform you. And that transformational relationship, that salvation of His, starts with us seeing Him for who He truly is. And as we see Him, the Holy God, we realize our shortcomings. And we realize our sin and our wrongdoing. And the way we enter in is through repentance. That's how we come into it. And many of us have responded to a call for improvement. And we had to realize that, ah, I've got to come in with repentance. That's where it starts. And um, we looked at scriptures on that. And even looked at the fact that that's not a once-off event. That's how we enter in. But then we live a lifestyle of repentance as the Holy Spirit comes to sanctify us and purify us. And shows us area we need to adjust and repent. And so the scripture we looked at was in Acts 2. Let me just quickly get the PowerPoint coming here. Acts 2 from verse 38. If you have Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. <laughs> but I'll put it up for you in a short while. Acts 2 verse 38 and 39. Peter said to them, So Peter was preaching the gospel message the very first time the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came upon them. Tongues of fire on the heads. Uh, the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing wind. And thousands of people came to watch this story. What's unfolding right in front of their eyes. And they were standing there and Peter preaches the gospel message to them. Very first sermon is in the book of Acts. After preaching, it says that the people were cut to their hearts. And cried out, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent. Each of you Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And many times we stop there, or people ask, what do I need to do to be saved? We say, repent and be baptized. But the scripture continues. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, that's us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so the scripture continues, and it says, Repent and be baptized, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's for you and for those who are far off, which is us today, all who the Lord will call. And I want to speak about that, receiving the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. And um, just that title alone probably causes some reaction in your heart. For some it's a, like, yes, finally, you know, it's like, woohoo, this is going to be one of those meetings. 
And for some of you, it's like, oh, Hona, we should probably skip this Sunday, not last week. And why is there so many reactions to this? Well, I looked at some teachers, and I think there's such a misunderstanding when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because the key thing is, when we look at the Scriptures, when we look at the Word of God, we need to put our world in the Word. Our world needs to be by the Word of God. We don't try and put the Word of God into our world and get the Word of God to fit in with us. We need to let the Word of God define things for us. But now the problem is, so many through church history, people resisted the Holy Spirit. And then God wanted to restore that. And then some weird things happened. People didn't know how to explain it. People felt uncomfortable. And they tried to have Christianity that's controlled. And they misinterpret certain scriptures because it needs to fit into their frame of reference. It needs to fit into their world, their understanding of how Christianity looks. And so you read some stuff and you think, how does these Bible scholars completely miss that God has given the Holy Spirit as a promise for us? Completely miss it. Or on the other side, so some of us have some misunderstandings, and I trust that the Word of God, not Kevin, not Josh Jen this morning, but the Word of God would come and realign us. It will shape our world this morning. And then many of us are cautious about this because we've seen some, a lot of misuse when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Charismatic churches are doing weird and wacky stuff. And because of that, some is actually just Holy Spirit moving, and it's weird to our flesh and in our mind, but we need to embrace it. But some of it is weird and extra. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing the Holy Spirit move for the very first time, and I see people falling over. And I was like, wow, incredible. I, I want it. And then you go, and you feel someone wanting to push you. And you're like, oh, why are you pushing me? <laughs> it says laying on our hands. So not pushing on hands. Full of the Holy Spirit, and there's just something God does in your life, and then you want to pray for people to be filled, and then you get tempted. Should I push? Should I? What do I do? Because every time I pray, I thought it. I'm not sure if any of you have done it. I must be honest. I'll repent. I pray, and no one falls over. I'm like, what's wrong? Maybe I should just give it a push start, you know? <laughs> just, just. And you get tempted there because you want to see some form of reaction. I can't build my theology on my experience. I build my theology on Scripture. And many times my experiences confirm that. Yeah. The mic is not working. I'm going to take the other one. Okay. Is that better? Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to speak about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is there to give us power to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit comes to baptize us with power, and He releases what we need to live the Christian life. I want to tell you this. In order for you to run your race with your eyes fixed on Jesus, in order for this church to be healthy and uh, a beacon of light to the world, 
if for us to be radically devoted, our good behavior, our giftings, our abilities, our efforts, none of that would cause us to run this race with our eyes continually fixed on Jesus. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. This Christian life is hard, and we can't do it without Him. Any of you ever owned a car without power steering? The most fun activity to do is parallel parking with a car. It's like, why go to the gym? You know, it's like... <clears throat> and then you go... And <clears throat> Some hard effort. And many of us live our Christian life like that. We try and we try and it's like, there's no, I'm going to get in here. I can't get to where I need to be. It's because we've been created to be power assisted. We need the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to unpack that this morning. God didn't call us to be a purpose-driven church. He called us to be a Holy Spirit-empowered church. Um, and our intentions, our goals, our visions can't do it. It's the Holy Spirit. You see in the book of Acts, that example that we see there was because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the things that we are aiming for, the values, is the result of that. And therefore, we cry out, we desire the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in and through us so that we can be the church that Jesus is wanting to build here on the earth. But we can't do it without fancy slogans or our vision. It's through the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. So let's unpack this a bit. Actually, it says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse, um, Jesus ascends to heaven and he says, Wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power to be my witnesses. So Jesus tells them to wait, for they will receive God's power. In John 1, John 1, verse 29 to 34. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward them and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So the first thing he says, Look, the man that takes away the sin of the world, salvation. Your sin needs to be taken away. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he... Sorry, did I skip that? The reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I just saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So we see there that John points to the lamb that will take away the sin and to the one that will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. David Pawson says, for you to be a proper Christian through the scripture, you need your sins washed away and you need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is both the one who takes our sin away, but Scripture also reveals Him as the baptizer, the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from Jesus and needs to be received. In Acts 2, we read earlier on that it says, You will receive power. Um, uh, you will need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, some Bible scholars say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the day you get saved, you get immediately baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it's one and the same. Many Reformed scholars that don't, that not open to the working of the Holy Spirit hold that view because it's easy to, to control. You know? You get saved and you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that accurate? No. You do definitely receive aspect of the Holy Spirit because it comes, the Bible says that you will receive the parakletos. He comes alongside you. He regenerates you. He makes your life new. He gives you, it's Bible speaks in Titus that he, it's for the renewal. There's a renewal that takes place. So the Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. But there's a next step, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just try and lay a foundation that it's not something that happens in one act. There is a second working of the Holy Spirit, which is His baptism. Here when it says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that word receive, if you look at the Greek, it is lambano. It sounds like some dance in some Latin place. Lambano. Lambano means to get hold of. So the word was used when Jesus took the five loaves and the fishes. Jesus lambano, the five loaves and fishes. So it was brought to him and he took it. So it's not a receiving like poof. There's a grabbing hold. There's a taking hold of that. So if it speaks here about you need to be, you need a lambano, you need to receive it. It's not something that happens at salvation. Scripture reveals it's something that needs to be a hold of. It's a gift for you, but it needs to be received. I'm sure some of you have been to a primary or a play school Christmas party. And Father Christmas comes. All the kids are excited. They're going to give a gift from Father Christmas. Then Father Christmas reads out, Chloe. And he stretches out the gift to Chloe. And as Chloe walks, she sees Father Christmas. And is like, <laughs> And she runs away. She didn't lambana the gift. You've all seen those toddlers that's so excited and suddenly the moment is just too big. She did not lambana that gift. It was freely available. It was intended for her. But in order to receive, she had to lay hold of. And that's a Greek word there, lambana. A lot of other examples of that word you'll see. It's actually to take, to lay hold of. So we need to receive that gift. We need to lay hold of it. It's for us. We read in Acts 8. And I just want to show you that it's, that it's essential to our Christian faith. I want to tell you, because of misuse and because of misunderstandings, we have made the baptism of the Holy Spirit something that's an optional extra. You know those very mock ads back in the day when... Eh? When you came back from school <laughs> and you had nothing to do, there was very mock ads on. Or you're sick at home and all you can watch is very mock ads. Um, and basically, very mock ads to the young people, yes. People that sold stuff on TV. 
And they always had this thing. They sell the product, this Bible book, and then they'll go, but wait, there's more. <laughs> if you order now, <laughs> we'll chuck in glasses so that you can read your... Yeah? And Kharat's like, oh, I've got to get that deal. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not like, but wait, there's more. It's part and parcel of the Christian faith. It's part and parcel of your salvation. Repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What shall we do? What shall we do? He didn't just say repent and be baptized. You need a lay hold of, you need a lambana, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's essential. It's part of our Christian faith. And we need to make sure that, you know, that it's not something that we see as an optional extra because we're not comfortable, because we don't fully understand it. It's something that's required. And I'll show it now in Scripture. The early church, it wasn't options. You know, it wasn't like this could be an option. And then if you really want to, you know, if you really want to serve God next level, then tap into level two. It wasn't for them. It was one and the same. It was one and the same. Many times people would come and then we try not to answer questions. They would come to us and say, you know, I've, I've been in church for years. I haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Is it really needed for me to be saved and go to heaven? And then we try and be nice. And, and you don't need that to go to heaven. You will be saved when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You will be saved. So you don't need it. That's not scriptural. You, you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't save you, but it's required for you to live out your Christian faith on earth. And therefore, it's part of the Christian faith. I want to tell us this, and I want to encourage us, and, and we'll unpack it now. If we get to this point and we evangelize people, we need to tell them the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to wash our sins and cleanse us. And now we need to repent to see new life. And you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That should be part of our gospel message because it was part of the early church's gospel message. And yes, people that don't hear this will go to heaven. I'm, I believe God is a righteous judge and He will judge right, righteously. And I believe people will go to heaven in their deathbed when they cry out to God and they die, God will save them. But for us who's got the scriptures that unpack it, we need to be faithful to what we see and read. And their gospel message was repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, we've got a responsibility, each one of us sitting here today, because I've made you responsible, because I've shared this out of Scripture. You need to respond and say, I'm going to lambana this, or not. And if you don't lambana this, you won't live in the fullness that God has for you. And there's a danger of possibly missing out at the end, and I'll explain that in a brief while. Because troubles will come. Tests will come. And we can't find it in our own strength. Let me quickly show in Scripture how important that this was to the gospel message. Acts 8. The year about... They hear about disbelievers in Samaria. And so they sent Peter and John to go check it out. Do you have it there? When the apostles in Jerusalem heard 
that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So they came and they said they've repented, they've been baptized, but there's something missing. They need to receive the Holy Spirit. And so that's what they did. Acts 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There they found some, what? Some disciples, people that believe in Jesus, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And you see, it was like one and the same for them, you know? It's like, you just, did you receive it? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Prophesied. There were about 12 of them in all. Can you see that it was for the early church, the new believers that have just seen Jesus ascend. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Their gospel message was, you didn't repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if it wasn't there... It was a priority. Did you see in both those passages? It was a priority for them that people get filled with the Spirit. Cornelius calls Peter. Um, he's got this vision, and um, Cornelius got to, gets a vision, and um, Peter gets a vision that he needs to go, and so eventually they meet up with one another. He's in Cornelius' house, Peter, and then he shares the gospel. And upon sharing the gospel, the people get filled with the Spirit. And then they get baptized in water. Repentance, baptism, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do believe that we've got to readjust our gospel message. We've got to adjust. When people respond to the gospel, yeah, we didn't know. We've got to get them to understand that the next step is to go through the water and to receive the Holy Spirit. I tell you this, think about it. If people go through that process properly, with conviction. They said, you know, within community life, if people just say, I respond to the gospel and there's no baptism through water and no baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've seen people struggle in their Christian faith because it's incomplete. Um, so we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized means you are immersed. He's in you and over you and upon you. You need to be immersed. The baptism of water, probably the best illustration is this. The baptism of water deals with our old life. It washes our dirty life, our conscience, it cleans our conscience. It's a burial it's where we identify with the death and resurrection of Jesus. So as we repent, the next step is to put action to that repentance. And in obedience, like many here in front, 
in obedience, they're acting on that repentance. And they're saying, I'm going to get my life washed. As a symbolic picture, I'm going to get my life washed. And I'm going to identify now with the death and resurrection of Jesus. It deals with my past. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit deals with my future. It deals with my journey ahead. That's why I get filled for the journey that lies ahead. And so those ba- one baptism deals with the past. The other baptism deals with my future. Thank you. <laughs> so for who is... Let, let me just read another scripture. In Titus 3. But when the kindness and the love of our God Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. He renews us, and then there's a pouring upon us. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that's required. Every time when it speaks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, it uses language like filled. Acts 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, verse 31, it says that while they were praying and crying out for boldness, God came in, the Holy Spirit filled them. Then it says here in Acts 8, they laid their hands and the Holy Spirit came upon them. In um, Acts 19, it says, as they prayed for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And both those pictures, both those words describe something of what happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It happens within us, and it happens upon us. Baptized means to be immersed. Like I take a biscuit, a a, a brusk, and I dunk it. I immerse it into the coffee, saturated. It's in in the brusk. It's upon the rusk, and that is a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It happens in us and happens upon us. So who is this baptism for? All of them were filled. Say, all of them. All of them that were there. So this was um, on the day of Pentecost. They were praying in the temple. And Mary was there. The disciples were there. There was other believers there as well. And all of them. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, also had a tongue of fire above her head. Because she was part of that group. She spoke in a different language. All of them were filled. I want to say every single one of you, this is for you. Repent, be baptized, and Lambana, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're in school, whether you're working 95 job, when you're at home with your kids, just trying to wipe bums and wipe dishes. <laughs> Hopefully not with the same cloth. But you, it's just wiping. It's for you. It's for the businessman. It's for every single one of us to be filled. It's for me, it's for you. Acts 2, verse 17, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on on some, on the Christian leaders, on the radical believers, on the weird people in church, on the autistic people in church, all the people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those 
days. It's on all. Just a, a quick um, testimony, just a quick um, story of yesterday at the gathering in the kids' church. And this, this scripture, it says, I'll pour out my spirit on all your sons and daughters. And there's actually testimonies of little kids being filled with the Holy Spirit as they were praying for one another and started speaking in tongues. So just, just, just to reiterate that it's, it's not just for, okay, the mature believers or I've, I'm not, I haven't served God long enough. From young to old, whoever you are, it's for you. The promise is for all of us. Excellent. I mean, we even had the vet sharing a testimony a couple of weeks ago about a daughter in worship service, hearing someone praying in the gift of tongues and just said, I want that. I want to be filled. And she got filled by the Holy Spirit right here in worship. It's something that happens and should happen as part of our salvation. But it's something that's also ongoing, like repentance is an ongoing thing. So to Lambano, the gift of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing thing. We need to be continually filled. It says in um, Ephesians 5 verse 18, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a present continuous tense, that Greek word. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, we've got to understand this. When they prayed there, Peter and John was before the Sanhedrin political party of the day um, because they healed someone, a beggar that was crippled for 30 years. They shared the gospel and people were like, what's going on? We need to try and silence them. And so the church got together to pray for them. They came to join the church in Acts 4. And while they were praying, the 120 that were filled with the Spirit... The thousands of onlookers in Acts 2 that were filled with the Spirit and the new people that were added, they were all praying and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. The place they were meeting in was shaken and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. They were filled again. So it's something that happens, the initial baptism happens and should happen at our salvation. And then there's a continual filling and a continual filling. I've seen it in my life. So there's times that if I drink regularly, if I get filled regularly, I've got more courage. I've got more faith because I'm continually drinking. It says that the Holy Spirit doesn't, it does a proper job. The issue is that we as vessels leak. And so therefore we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually. I wanted to say something on that now. We spoke about being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't remember now. So what happens when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What happens? You see there the picture that they were, the place they were meeting in was shaken. All the pictures that when it speaks about the Holy Spirit moving, it says it came like a rushing wind, tongues of fire. Living waters gushing forth. Can you see all those pictures will have an effect on you if you encounter that? A rushing wind will have an effect on me. Fire will have an effect on me. Rushing water will have an effect on me. It says you will be filled with dunamis power. Power from an eye. If I put my finger in a power socket, it will have an effect on me. And so therefore, the Holy Spirit will affect us as humans. 
And so many times we see people get touched by the Holy Spirit and there's a physical reaction. And that makes us uncomfortable because it's just weird, let's be honest. But when the Holy Spirit comes, there will be effect in our human bodies because it's God Himself. It's power from an eye. The Holy Spirit will, at times, affect us. At times, it doesn't. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit where I just wept. Times that I was just overflowed with joy. Times nothing, I felt nothing, but I saw a difference in the days to come. Other times, I was shaking. And it wasn't like I was quite empty that I didn't want to do it. But then the Holy Spirit touched me once, and I just fell to the ground. Because I was touched by Him. If you read that, it says that the place that they were meeting in was shaken, and they were all filled. Now let's quickly think about it. If there was an earthquake, they probably wouldn't have continued praying. You know? They probably would have ran out, because the building was... So I think when it says the place they were gathering was shaken, it's probably because the people look like there was an earthquake. Their physical bodies were touched, and it looked like the place was shaken. So I see here, and I've seen many times, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, at times there's a physical response. Not always. It doesn't have to be. One of the results is that you'll see that they were praying in tongues and prophesying. The big thing about the Holy Spirit, if He fills you, there will be an overflow. There will be an overflow. What the heart is full of, the mouth will overflow. If you notice in Acts, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke the Word of God boldly. When they were filled, they began to praise. When they, began, when they were filled, they began to prophesy, speak in tongues. There's something that overflowed. And the nature of the Holy Spirit's filling is there would be an overflow. At times in praise, at times in joy, at times in gifts. But there will be an overflowing. John speaks in John 3 verse 34. He will, God will fill you with the Holy Spirit without measure. Without measure. Let's be a people of God who don't put a measure on the Holy Spirit. Let's be a people that says the Spirit of God without measure. Quickly, what happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Three W's. Three W's I want to give you. That you can remember it easily. WWW. This is our connection. <laughs> this is our dial-up. You remember dial-up? WWW. Three W's. The gift, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the continual filling of the Holy Spirit is essential, firstly, for our walk with God. He gives us an assurance. So that as we walk and as we walk out our Christian faith, there's assurance. It says that He's our seal. He makes us holy. He purifies us. 1 Peter 2. He leads us and reveals Christ to us. I'll try and get this out to, to the um, community groups. But it's essential for our walk with Him. Secondly, it's essential for our worship. Our worship. I've noticed that I, when I get filled with the Spirit of God, there's an overflow. It says they were praising God. The times that are filled, no matter how bad this worship team does the morning, I want to worship because there's an overflow. It's not the band that stirs my worship. It's within me that stirs my worship. And when the band is cooking, it helps. <laughs> but that's not why I worship. It's because of the overflow. It's because of what's happened in here. Maravis once had a picture of an oil lamp 
And when there's oil in the lamp and worship, you just light it on fire and it burns for him. And our worship is ultimately our oil burning as we gather. I thought it's a beautiful picture. Have you noticed that sometimes when you get touched by the Holy Spirit, you do feel there's a deeper desire for worship, deeper hunger for God's presence. It says that, that He fills us with His love and He makes us aware of His love. He releases joy um, and then He stirs our heart to pray. And there's something of, of an eruption that takes place and a hunger for intimacy with Him. So it's essential for our worship. As we see the love of God, as we experience the joy of God, we want to respond and worship Him. And lastly, last W, it's essential for our witness. Acts 1 was, we receive power to these witnesses. Boldly they spoke. He releases gifts to minister. It's essential for our worship. How do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? By the laying on of hands. We see in Scripture, we see in the book of Acts. At times they just sat in the preaching, Peter's preaching, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to ask that God would come and fill us. Sometimes if we want a fresh infilling, we just need to wait on Him. Pray in tongues, ask, desire. So at times it's on laying of hands. But the biggest component, how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we surrender. We surrender. We surrender. We see there's a pattern in Scripture where they repent, they were baptized, and then they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts um, 9 with Peter and Cornelius, they were preaching, responded, they were filled with the Spirit, and then they got baptized. Majority of the pattern is repent, baptize, and be filled with the Spirit. But at times, it's also the other way around. There's not a set formula, but it is all essential. We need to ask and surrender and agree. I'm going to wrap up this morning with this illustration. In, um, in Matthew 25, earlier on I said it's essential for our walk with God and making sure we get to that last day prepared and ready. And there's a picture about the wise and foolish virgins. Five wise virgins with oil in their lamp and five without oil. I believe that oil is a picture of a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were able to be watchful and ready. And when He came, they were ready to go. Those without the Holy Spirit weren't ready. And missed out. Knocking on the doors. What about us? I've seen people drift further and further from God because they don't have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because they aren't baptized and continually filled. I've seen how they drift. We need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Our lamps need to be filled with oil. I've got amazing glove here. This is a real special glove. Yesterday, I used this glove. Well, I didn't use it yesterday, but just for the sake of the illustration, because I got the glove from Alec. Um, But if it was my glove, I used it yesterday to pick up that Bible. 
I want to show you. Try again. The glove in itself can't pick up the Bible. The glove in itself can't do what it's required to do. But when it's filled, when it's filled, it can do what it's required to do. Many of us, many of us continue living like an empty glove. We need to be a people filled so that we can do what God requires us to do. So that we can walk with Him and grow in our faith and in our walk with Him. We need Him to fill us so that when we come together, there's something to burn in our times of worship. That there will be overflow. And we need Him for our witness. For our witness. Amen.